The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Sylvia Astorelli, an editor at Market Watch and the writer of our popular Where Should I Retire series. I'm here with Chris Cunningham, who retired to Panama about a decade ago after living in Florida and other states and working as a nurse. She and her husband, Joel, now live in the city of David, near the Pacific Ocean and near the border with Costa Rica. So welcome, Chris. Love that backdrop. Thank you. Nice to see you. Hi to everybody else out there. So, so Chris told me she'd never thought of moving abroad when she and her husband, when her husband uh, suggested it. And then they moved to Panama without really speaking Spanish. We're going to talk a bit about how she did it, some of the ups and downs. And of course, we will be answering as many of your questions as we can during the next 30 minutes. You can also read the article about her that I wrote, and the link will go into the chat soon. I'm also going to flag her blog, The Panama Adventure, so you can um, read more about her her adventures. So, Chris, I have to say, since some parts of the U.S. have some weather that's still acting a bit wintry today, um, and it's April, so before we dig in, what's the weather like in Panama today? It's or I should say in Debbie, because... Let me see. Wow. That is definitely summer. Uh, it's creeping up towards 90 degrees here. So we're kind of between rainy season and summer right now. So this is more like a summer day. It's warmer and drier. But we have had a couple really good downpours last week. So that really helps. Well, so we've had the downpours, but, but not that temperature. We have air conditioning in the house for the afternoon if it gets too warm. So let's let's talk about going back to the beginning a decade ago. What sold you on on Panama and especially David, which, as you told me, is not an area popular with American expats? Well, we had like a checklist. It has to be close enough to the U.S. to get back and see family and whatnot. And, you know, stable, peaceful country, decent health care, nice people, you know, and, and Panama seemed to check all the boxes. I mean, it's it's a stable, peaceful country. Crime is not a huge problem. Healthcare is very good. So we came to visit, and we knew we're city people. We don't want to be out in the country. I mean, I'm from New York City. I'm not comfortable where it's dark and quiet all night. So Panama City was a little too much. It's a huge city. We could not believe it. I mean, it's a thriving, happening place. But at our age, we're like, eh. What's the next biggest city? So we came to David and went, mm, I think this will work. And here we are. That seems a pretty straightforward uh, logical process. Um, so, but moving is hard uh, and moving overseas is especially difficult. What did what did you find particularly challenging? And was there a moment where you said, oh, my gosh, what have we done? <laughs> yeah, I remember one moment. Actually, I had six months of very intense Spanish classes before I got here. But still, communicating was hard. 
and and even now there's words I don't know or people have different accents I don't get. So the language barrier has been a big thing, but it gets better all the time as you use it every day. But I remember one day I was here by myself. I moved ahead of my husband. He was wrapping up things back in Florida. And I didn't realize how much caffeine's in Panamanian coffee. <laughs> and I'm here going, oh, my God, what am I doing? I don't know anybody. My Spanish is not good. If I got in the world of hurt, I don't even know who to call. And then I finally said, calm down. It's just the caffeine. You're fine. <laughs> so what's, let's go to the, the flip side. What's the best part of living in Panama? Absolutely the people. They've been so kind and so welcoming. It's just such a different feeling. You're never alone here. I've had countless times where I've been riding my bike, got a flat tire, the car, you know, the, wouldn't start because the battery was down and people just pull over and help you without giving it a second thought. Total strangers will do whatever they can to make your day better. And just, they're just very respectful, very kind. Everybody says hello to everybody. You can walk up to anybody and start a conversation and they're happy to talk with you for the most part. So that you just feel very much a part of life here, even though we are totally different. I mean, and they don't care. They're like, okay, you're here. You're part of us. That's great. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about what it, what it the costs to live in Dovey. That's a question a lot of people have. You told me last year that you live on about, $1,200 a month, uh, $1,200 a month, um, plus then trips to the States. And it sounds like life has been um, good this past year and you've been splurging a bit. So what are the big parts of the budget? And um, also, of course, Americans think that Latin America is a cheap place to be. Um, but what would they find surprisingly expensive? Well, a lot depends on where you live. Panama City is expensive. I mean, if you want a decent condo or apartment, it's going to cost you $1,000, $1,400 a month, something like that. Where here in David, we pay $385. I mean, that's a huge difference. $385 is incredible. You know, but if you go to Boquete, which is just a short ways up the road, it's full of expats. And you, I don't think you could find anything for this price. You're probably looking at $800, $1,000 for something you'd want to live in. So housing is a huge variable depending on where you go. And then there's food. That's our next big expense. If you want to buy local stuff, you can... You know, you don't, you're not going to spend that much. But if you're going to go, you know, to the supermarket and buy all this imported stuff, it's going to cost. So you've got a lot of leeway on your food budget there. And then the rest of it is not that significant. I mean, phone, Internet, car insurance, you know, that kind of stuff. It's probably pretty fixed and pretty economical here. So... so um just reminded everybody to put your questions in for Chris in the chat, but I'm going to move on to one thing, another thing people are really curious about, and that's healthcare. Um, so this next one echoes a question from John who asks about the quality of healthcare near you. And you wrote your blog recently. You had this interesting experience with the Panama health system late last year when Joel found a lump in his neck. Can you explain what happened and how that compares with your decades of experience as a nurse in the U.S. healthcare system and, of course, how much it costs. Well, it's been a huge peace of mind here for me. 
to know that this health care is available. We've been very pleased with all our experiences here, and it's very economical. Where in the States, if something major had happened to one of us, it would have been financially devastating. So, yeah, the lump in Joel's neck, we went to the doctor, and we went to the hospital here, and we said we need a doctor to see Joel's neck, and they sent me someplace, and the secretary said, no, he's not here right now. Let me call him. So I called. And she handed me the phone and his wife said, well, we got a repairman out the house. But as soon as he's done, we'll come right to the hospital and see your husband. Wow. I was like, yeah, really? I said, no, 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 it's not an emergency. You know, can we set up something for tomorrow morning? And he said, sure. So, you know, we go in and the guy carefully looks at Joel and feels his neck and says, you know, I want to do an ultrasound. And the visit was $50. And he said, the ultrasound will be included, but I don't have the machine could you please go Wednesday morning to the public hospital and I'll meet you there. So we did that and he did the ultrasound and he very carefully explained what he saw and what treatment and options were. And it's, it's just a cyst. So it wasn't anything dangerous. So we're just going to leave it alone. Thank goodness. But I was very impressed with how kind and caring he was, how thorough he was. And it's just, you know, they, they're not all wrapped up in paperwork and red tape and getting paid and liability and all that kind of stuff that we deal with in the States. It's just a very much more personal feel when you go to see the doctor. And how, and how much, and this was all covered by, by your health insurance aside from the $50 or was this all out of pocket? This is all out of pocket. We don't have health insurance. We have money set aside for emergencies because it's so affordable here. So, and you're not required to be in the state in the state health care plan then? No. Okay. But, you know, I had a friend who had breast cancer treatment. She had surgery, chemo, radiation, the whole thing. And I think it cost her about $40,000 for the whole thing. And they offered her care in the, in the public system, which would have been much less. But she said, you know, I can pay my way. I'm going to, you know, I'll pay for what I need. So she ended up going in the private system. Super pleased with her care. They got her right in. They got her taken care of. She said her surgery was within a week of the first time she saw the doctor. And they set up all her treatments afterwards. So she was super pleased. And in terms so, of waiting, waiting around with Joel and appointments, did you feel that you were sitting in the waiting room a lot? Or did it just move pretty, pretty smoothly? I hear some horror stories of some places in the States where you can sit for a long time. It just kind of depends. If you go to the private system, usually the doctors do their work in the public system and then they come to the private hospital like three in the afternoon and they take you on a first come first serve basis. So you may wait 20 minutes, you may wait a couple hours. It just depends. But it's very unusual that you have to wait more than a day to be seen. You know, if they're not in that day, they may ask you to come back tomorrow. But there's none of this. Can we see you in six weeks on, you know, Thursday at four o'clock. So that's really, really nice. And how much of that appointment with Joel was, was done in English? Um, how's your that doctor did not speak English. So how's a your lot of them do? I think the majority of them speak English. Many have been trained in the States or many have lived in the States and have good English. It just happened that this guy didn't. But your Spanish was good enough to, for healthcare Spanish then. Right. Yeah. We managed fine. And if you get yourself in a jam, you can always bring a translator with you. Are those easy to find, translators? I can think of three offhand without even thinking too hard about it. 
you know, any place where there's a bunch of expats around, a lot of people struggle with the language. So there's a job opportunity. So, so that this follows up, this leads to a, a question from Dawn, who asks, how big is the barrier for English um, English only speakers? It depends a lot on where you live. Here in David, you'd probably struggle a bit. There are people who speak English, but they're never there when you need them. You know, Murphy's Law. Up in Boquete is full of expats, so you could get by fairly easily with only English. So it, it depends a lot on where you are, what you're doing, you know, who's around you. And when you moved and you had that those um, the intensive Spanish before you came, how would you describe your Spanish skills when you arrived? And how what have you done since then? to improve? Um, they were barely adequate. I could ask for what I needed, but I probably wouldn't understand your answer. <laughs> I understand that situation. I've been there. Yeah, but you know, I, I managed. It was a struggle. But you use your Spanish every day, and my neighbors don't speak English, so my friends around me here were very, very helpful. They'd come and teach me words and talk very slowly. <laughs> to help me understand. So yeah, little by little, it gets better. And you get frustrated and think, oh, I'm never going to get this. And then you realized, I know all these words I didn't know six months ago. So did, did you take, did, were you taking uh, Spanish classes then in the beginning while you, when you moved? Once yes, you I continued to take classes for quite a few months. And I studied on my own a lot. And then I'm really good friends with my teacher. I just love her to pieces. So when COVID hit, it's like, she probably needs some help. Can I have Spanish lessons again? So I, I took more classes for probably a good six months. That's it. It sounds like those that you need a pretty strong commitment to actually practicing and making the effort to learn the language. Oh, it's very hard. I'm not good at languages. It's very frustrating. But you keep at it every day, a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. And, and eventually it's like, oh, my gosh, they understood me. How cool is that? And then one day I made a dentist appointment on the phone. I was like, whoa, I got it going on now. Because I that find is, the phone a lot harder than in person. Yes, it is. That That's great. I, think, I do think uh, people are very worried about their ability to speak. Spanish and, and communicate or the flip side, of course, is you just hang out in the expat world. And then how much of a real, that's a totally different experience. If you just hang out with expats and only speak English. Yeah. You'd be missing out on a lot, I think. And now with technology, you can take your smartphone with Google translate in there and that'll help you communicate if you get stuck. I know I carried a dictionary for probably three or four years after I arrived because there's always something. I want to buy fabric and thread, and I don't know the word for thread, so out comes the dictionary. Yeah, there's it's there's always words you just don't know. It's so true. Yeah. Um, so you've seen, in your decade of being in Panama, you've seen people move to Panama and then decide it's not for them and go back to the U.S. And, and honestly, that's an expensive couple of moves, bringing all your stuff over, bringing it back to the U.S., so in your experience, what are the main reasons why a move abroad, whether to Panama or somewhere else, doesn't work out? And, and what's your advice to people who are considering a move to Panama or, again, really anywhere outside the U.S.? 
Well, one of the big ones I've seen is health concerns. And if, if you have a major health problem and you have Medicare back in the U.S., a lot of people will opt to go back to the U.S. for their health care. Or they get to the point in their lives where they really can't live on their own and family wants them back so they can look out for them. Another one is probably missing family. I can't be so far away from the grandkids or my elderly mother or something like that. So that, that's something to consider, I think, when you're planning to move. Are you going to be okay communicating by video chats and occasional visits or whatever works out for you and your family? And then there's some people who just, you know, it's just too much of an adjustment and they just get too frustrated and say, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm out of here. But yeah, it's, it's highly, highly recommended that you come here and rent. Don't buy something and make a big commitment because it's really hard to sell, especially now it's a, it's a buyer's market. So be, be real sure you've been here for a while and this is going to work for you before you buy any property. I'm going to put another link, uh, link to another article in the chat that just talks about some of the pitfalls of, of retiring abroad. Um, but yeah, if, being away from, from family, if, unless you seems like that would be an issue no matter where you are, unless you're really living around the corner from your grandkids who eventually will have their own lives and do not need to be around grandma and grandpa. Um, but I, I hear it. And I'm curious about you know, elderly parents, whether you've had any experience with, um, if somebody was to, was to move with an elderly parent, is there assisted living that is more what we would expect in, in America, or is that hard to find? Would That's you just find hard to it? find. Panamanians generally take care of their elderly parents in their own homes, mm -hmm. because assisted living is fairly expensive, but getting care to come in the home can be very economical. So well, that would be a better option. That actually sounds better, to be honest. Um, yeah, then you, you're not in you're not institutionalized in some way. Um, but following up, um, any tips for Donald who asks where and what to rent for a month to try out the area with three or four options, perhaps to choose from? If so, if someone's coming to Panama to check it out, what would you tell them to do? I think Airbnb would be a good place to start. Then you can rent a place for the weekend or for the month or whatever amount of time that you want. You know, hotels, eh, that wouldn't really be the experience you're looking for. Probably it'd be expensive. Hostels. Okay. Hostels are fun because you meet other travelers. So that might be something to consider. Even at, even at the retiree's age. Yeah. Yeah, we stayed in the hostels when we were visiting here. We had a blast. I okay. I I and um, in terms of deciding where to go, I mean, we talked. You mentioned Panama City. You mentioned David. We've talked about David a lot. Boquete. Um, any suggestions for people on how they should look at looking at Panama overall? There's, as you told me, there's lots of different climates and different um, types of places. Well, you pointed that out with. Panama City and David and Boquete. Would you, should people, is it, is it, are there just a few places to check out or, hey, go travel the whole country? Well, so much depends on what you're looking for. Some people want to be near the beach. So that would send you to Coronado, Petacee, some of the beach areas. Some people want city, you know, Panama City with the restaurants and the, you know, the whole lifestyle that comes with a big city. 
Some people want to be quiet out in the country and they don't want to hear anything but the birds. Well, that would be a different thing. There is a very successful business here called Panama Relocation Tours, and they take people around to the various popular spots for, I think, a week and give you tons of information about moving here and all the considerations. So a lot of people opt for that. Since we were so clear we wanted a city, we didn't really need that, so we didn't we didn't go that way. But you know, it's hard to say without knowing what a particular person wants as far as their lifestyle and their budget and their comfort and whatever else. It sounds like those are some good questions for people to ask themselves before they even come explore so that they aren't one of those people who end up spending a lot of money moving only to be unhappy and move back to the U.S. Exactly, exactly. So a couple of other questions, um, security concerns. Some, you know, people are always worried, even in the U.S., about is the area safe? What can you tell us about Panama? You mentioned crime is low. Yeah, I feel safer here than any place I've lived in the U.S. Why is that? Yeah. Nothing happens in my neighborhood. Hardly anything happens in my city. You know, if, if something happens, it, it makes the national news so, you know, going to the supermarket and getting shot never even enters our minds, where you see that in the headlines in the U.S. all the time. People look out for each other here. You get to know your neighbors. Somebody shows up at your house, they'll be over here asking, what are you doing here? You know, so. And when I first visited Panama City, I saw a single woman walking down the street after dark like they didn't have a care in the world. And I thought, this bodes well. So there's a lot of security everywhere, which kind of freaked me out at first. You go to the supermarket, there's a security guard in the parking lot. But one time we left our car in the parking lot and went away for the weekend and we come back and he goes, are you okay? We've been so worried about you. Your car's been here for two days. We thought something happened to you. He said, next time, tell me. So I know you're okay. And we're like, oh my wow. goodness. <laughs> so um, gun crime, drug crime, Drugs generally, that's not an issue then? Drugs is a problem here. We're kind of like, you know, the travel hub of Central America, and there's a constantly battling drugs. They've got armed people on boats manning the coast. They've got, you know, checkpoints through the country. And, of course, when you come in, whether by land or air or sea, they're going to be keeping an eye on you. So they're really trying and there are some drug gang related shootings occasionally, but you know, if you're not involved with them, that's not going to involve you. Okay. Another question from, from the audience. Um, I understand the path to residency has gotten harder uh, fairly recently. Can you, can you elaborate on that? There's a number of different visa options. And of course it would be best to consult a lawyer who knows all the ins and outs of this. But I know the Friendly Nations visa has changed and become quite a bit more difficult. We have the retirees visa, which I believe is the same. And it's, you know, it's just a bunch of documents and paperwork you got to fill out and fairly straightforward with a good lawyer. So that's about all I have to say on that since I'm no expert on visas and residencies and that, but it's certainly doable. When you've when you've had to um, apply for your visa or renew your visa, um, can you give people a sense of how much 
that has cost in terms of lawyers or in terms of time for you to do it yourself? Would you, you have to yourself? have a lawyer. You can't do it yourself. Okay. And if I remember, I mean, it's been eight years ago now. I think it was $2,500 for the two of us. $2,500 for a lawyer sounds, uh, for two people, $1,250 apiece sounds pretty uh, affordable to me. Yeah, we worked with Marcos Kramer, and he's got a website called KramerLaw.com, and he lists all his prices. He has a bunch of good information about immigration and residency and the options, so that might be a good place to start, just to study up on what's involved, if I'm allowed wow. to give website recommendations. Well, transparent transparency on um, on prices is, uh, as opposed to yeah, this is my hourly rate is is pretty impressive. Um, some and questions. It's very important that you get a good lawyer. Ask around for recommendations because you can be a lawyer here without the strict requirements that we're used to in the U.S. And it's happened that people have paid money and not got what they paid for and gotten really frustrated. So. Be sure you get somebody who comes with good recommendations. Okay. Some 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 more money questions. How are taxes handled on your U.S. Um, any U.S. retirement income, and are you still eligible for Social Security benefits? Yes, we do get Social Security. We maintained banking in the U.S., which has been really helpful because our Social Security goes to our U.S. bank, and we just do our taxes online. You know, it's it's interesting that here we have plenty of money to live comfortably, but in the U.S. we're really poor. So our tax liability is very low. But, you know, that depends. Everybody's situation is unique, but that's how we've been able to handle it. So my daughter's California address is our U.S. address. And then, of course, we have our Panamanian residents here. So do you file, you file federal tax? Do you file California tax? Yeah, we do. Okay. And, and then um, you file Panamanian tax? No, we don't. We don't earn any money here in Panama, so we don't have to pay taxes here in Panama. Got it. What about Medicare? I have Medicare Part A, which is free. I opted not to pay for Part B because I have no intentions of living back in the U.S. And my deductibles would probably be about the same as paying out of pocket here. Besides, I have more confidence in the healthcare system here. But your Medicare does not work outside of the U.S. So if you yes. think you're going to come here and use Medicare, it's not going to work out. Right. Yes. You need to look, if anybody, wherever you're retiring overseas, you need to look into the local healthcare system, what the rules are for being part of it, or perhaps getting um, so, sort of a, a traveler's insurance that cover that. Look into insurance policies. I've definitely talked about that in some other articles. Um, looking at some of the other questions, um, more about can you use Medicare? Nope. Is there a network of U.S. trained personnel, doctors, and that you could find, or is it more? It's you just happen to find a doctor who is trained in the U.S. or a nurse who's trained in the U.S. Would there be private U.S.-like hospitals? I guess no. No, it's it's a Panamanian healthcare system here. And probably the best bet, I mean, who doesn't use Facebook these days? But there are, are forums, uh, groups on Facebook for Panama or for the particular area you're living in. It would probably be best to just go ask around. Hey, I need a dermatologist who speaks English. Does anybody have somebody to recommend? 
So that, that would probably be the best way to find a doctor. Or if your Spanish is good enough, just we just walk into the private hospital and go, hey, I need a dermatologist. And they go, go see so-and-so down that hall. I'm like, okay. Wow. One shop stop. Uh, that's pretty easy. Um, does um, how one uh, another money question, how easy has it been to access your U.S. funds to pay for life in Panama? Do you have a local bank account and local currency? How easy is it to transfer money from the U.S. to a Panamanian bank account? Well, Panama uses a dollar. The Panamanian currency is a Balboa. One Balboa is one dollar, but the paper money is all U.S. dollars. And what we do, you can use your U.S. credit card at the supermarket and in many places and then pay it online, which is what we do. Or there's ATMs all over the place if you want cash. You can stick your card in the ATM and get out cash for the vegetable guy or smaller things around town. And that's worked out really well for us. And the, and the cash out of the ATM would be U.S. dollars. Correct. Oh, yeah. Okay. There is no Panamanian paper money, only U.S. dollars. Okay. Um, people got some transportation questions. Did you buy a car or did you import a car? Um, what about public transportation? Public transportation is excellent. There's a lot of people who live their whole lives with no car. There's buses that go everywhere. There's economical taxis. A taxi across town would probably cost you 3 to $5 for a trip. And that takes how long? Across oh, town. 15 minutes maybe. $3. Wow. Okay. I know. I got a taxi in the U.S. and went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> There is Uber also in Panama City, and it's coming to David, but I think there's only one or two drivers at this point. But, you know, this is a up-and-coming thing in the country. And we do have cars just because, you know, we find it convenient to hop in the car and go where we want to go, but you don't have to. Oh, and importing a car is not recommended. It's a big hassle. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of expense and taxes. And if you buy a local car, you know, you're not going to have issues finding parts for it, finding a mechanic who knows how to fix it. So that's really recommended. Are the local car brands brands Americans would recognize? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Toyota's a real popular one. There's Fords. We have a Mitsubishi out there. We have a Hyundai. So, yeah, the there's very few cars you probably wouldn't recognize the brands, but the parts can be different. We have a Hyundai Atos, which is not even sold in the U.S., but it's fairly common around here. Okay. Um, how accessible are international flights to Europe and the U.S.? It's another question from Dawn. Panama City has flights that go everywhere in the world. They are a huge travel hub in Panama City. And they've expanded the airport since we've been here. And there's another expansion in progress now because it's a happening airport. A um, couple more questions. Uh, Beth asks, can you take your dog to Panama? You can. There's, of course, documentation and rules you have to follow, you know, immunization records, and I don't know what all. But, yes, you can take your dog here. Or if you want a dog, there's plenty of dogs that need homes. We adopted a street dog, and she's the most wonderful dog. We just love her to pieces. And... Um, Rob asks, um, well, I'll let me back to Conrad first says, how is your internet connection? Is 
Well, it hasn't hiccuped on us yet. <laughs> now, it's That's just true. unusual that our internet goes down. Sometimes during high traffic times, it may hiccup a bit and have little stops and starts. But in general, I do everything I want on the internet. We stream Netflix and other stuff to watch. We use YouTube a lot for, you know, music practice. So we have no problems. But that, again, that depends on where you live. There are areas where the internet can be a challenge. What um, and how much does your internet cost? I think it's $46 a month. It's a bundled internet and TV thing, which is actually cheaper than internet by itself. Okay. And um, of course, there's various options for that, depending on what company, how much speed you want, where you live, etc. cetera. Okay. Um, someone is asking about uh, finding other Where Should I Retire articles. I've just put a link in the chat. Um, another question is... Um, from Rob, I wonder how you spend your days in Panama. What activities do you like there? For example, do you enjoy the beach? Um, we haven't talked about your band, so let's talk about the band and what <laughs> I else don't you know do. how I had time to work. <laughs> and no, I do not enjoy the beach. I'm white. I will burn like crazy. So, yeah, I, I try to stay out of the sun. The sun here is intense. We're only eight degrees off the equator. So if you tend to sunburn, be very careful. I rode my bike a lot. I've ridden my bike all over the place. I had fun with that. Of course, you got a new language, a new culture, a new everything. So just meeting people and what are you cooking and what is this flower and what do you do with this fruit? You know, that's that's a really fun way to spend time. And yeah, four years ago, my husband's band lost their bass player. So that took over my life quite a bit. So I'm the bass player in a rock band. Who would ever have thought? What do your grandkids say to that? Oh, you know, you got to let your parents do what they want to do. <laughs> no, um, they're cool with it. And just up the road in Boquete is a ton of expats, and they have painting classes and yoga classes and photography group and theater. They've got just tons of stuff to get involved with if you want to do that. Or if you're looking for volunteer opportunities, or if you like to travel around the country, go hiking. You know, wherever you're going to be, if you're retired, you're going to have to figure out what to do with your time. And that is I, so that is so true. Even if you stay in the U.S., what are you retiring to? Not or what are you retiring from? Have a plan right. to, to meet people because you're not going to have your work friends. If you move to a new area, you've got to make friends, whether it's in the U.S. or abroad. And, and if you can manage in Spanish, it's way easy to meet people here. People are very friendly and outgoing. My experience, having lived abroad, um, not as a retiree, is that the the expats are also pretty open to other expats just because everybody's there's enough turnover and people are always looking for new friends. Is that true in Panama? We don't hang out with expats that much, but yeah, I would I would say so. And the other expats also share this whole experience of moving to another country, so you have that in common. Um, question from another uh, listener or viewer. Are the citizens of Panama tolerant of all races, white and Asian Americans in particular? I would say absolutely yes. They seem fairly colorblind when it comes to race. That's awesome. But they'll say things that make us, give us a start. My neighbor calls her husband. Hey, Negro. 
And we're like, oh my goodness, but it's just a description, you know, it's just a nickname. <laughs> or we go to the Chino and they're like, how disrespectful. No, a lot of the convenience stores are, are run by Chinese people. So that's just how they're described. But there's no value judgment in that. I'm seeing a lot of questions are back to healthcare. Um, what, you know, basic life, feeling safe. Um, and any, any one thing you want to add on any of those, or I will end with um, some property questions. People asking whether there's any limitations you know of on property ownership beyond your suggestion of don't buy right away. Or at all, maybe. I know that if you want to get a mortgage from a bank, it has to be paid off before you're 70. So that is a concern for a lot of retirees who are reaching that age. But otherwise, yeah, even if you're not a resident, you can buy property here if you want to. So I, I don't think that's complicated. We're still renting, so I'm no expert on buying property. But I know many expats do go ahead and buy property. And then it sits on the market for five years because they can't sell it. That's a good uh, good question. A good point to everybody. Be be very sure it is not the U.S. and or, or a a hot rent uh, selling market the way it is in the U.S. right now. And certainly, there's some parts of the U.S. where there's no population growth, and it's hard to sell property there too. Um, and that Carlos, consideration for us is if something happens to us, my family doesn't have to worry about selling a property in another country. Good point. And our money's in the bank, not in the house. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and with your rent at under $400 a month, heck, I don't think, why would I want to buy? I know this house is perfect for us. Our landlords are super nice, good to us. So yeah, we're good. And they let you paint on the walls, that wonderful, uh, the, the flowers. They let us do whatever we want. I have totally rearranged the yard. I've totally painted the house, rearranged stuff. I mean, we're putting it in the kitchen now. On your own dime. Well, we're negotiating. I plan to do it on my dime just because we'll enjoy it every day. And the landlord says, no, I'll pay for it. So we've, we've got to hash out an agreement we both feel good about. But yeah, they just let us do whatever they want. And they know we pay on time and take good care of the house. So we're all happy. Um, we're going to wrap this up really soon. Last question from Carlos. How is the seafood in David? There's a lot of fish here and shrimp. It's excellent. You can get tuna and red snapper and some really good fish for $2.50, $3 a pound if you know where to go shop. Shrimp is probably, I don't know, 4 or $5 a pound, depending on season and that kind of thing. But yeah, there's good fish here. But as some, it depends on where you live, though. I think in central Panama, most of the fish gets sent to Panama City for sale. But here, ask somebody where to go find the fishermen so you can buy directly from them and you can get some really nice fish. Um, got another food question for you. Any, how easy is it to find uh, lack free, that's lacto, food that's lactose-free, gluten-free, anything special dietary concerns? It seems to be getting easier and easier as more expats are providing a market for those things. I, I don't tolerate lactose well. I go to Price Mart, which is our version of Costco, and get soy milk. Works out great for me. I see gluten-free options in Boquete a lot because there's a lot of expats up there and probably a market for it. 
So it, it depends on, you know, where you are. If you're out in very rural Panama someplace, probably not many options. So it just depends. Okay. Um, so I think this is just about all the time we have for today. So uh, we've already run overtime. So thank you so much, Chris, for being here. I hope everybody's learned a lot about living in Panama or questions they need to ask themselves if they are considering a move, whether to Panama or somewhere else. Um, again, in the in the chat, you'll see a link to Chris's blog if you want to um, read more about what her life is like, the link to the original article about her. Also a link to the Market Watch Where Should I Retire columns. And so please join us again tomorrow for another edition of Barron's Live. Barron's Senior Managing Editor, Lauren R. Rublin, and healthcare industry reporter Josh Nathan Casas will discuss the outlook for healthcare stocks and the latest news on COVID-19 treatments and vaccines. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us. Stay well and have a fabulous day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.